There are 12 inches in a foot, 16 cups in a gallon, and 37 Austrian mountain goats in our office during this episode of Red Pages Podcast. Everybody, it is the 10th of December in the year 2012, uh, and this is a Red Pages podcast, podcast spectacular. Uh, I am the entertainer, and I know just how I stand. Uh, I, I am a, uh, a couple peas in the podcast, Paul. And I, am- I was going with the theme of uh, Billy Joel songs, but oh. I guess that didn't work. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any Billy Joel songs. Yes, you do. I bet you know Piano Man. That's a Billy I Joel song? Spider-Man? No. <laughs> you mean Keyboard Cat? Yes. <laughs> All right. Good. Yep, this is great. Good. We're off to a great good, start good already. Podcast, right over. <laughs> yep. All right. See you next week. <laughs> I'm out. Hang on. All right. <laughs> our listeners get in touch with us. Ah, uh, they no longer can. All of our accounts have been shut shut down by the federal polices. By Blizzard. Ooh, I've got a story yep. about that. Okay, so, hi, I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm Gord. And I'm uh, Europe's inability to play goblins and gnomes. <laughs> uh, so, so, guys... Let's try this again. What's what, what? What's a podcast? What are we doing? Where were we last week? Uh, I don't know where we were. Uh, this is our fr- we we we've got two weeks worth of stuff to talk about. Oh, wow, yeah, we're gonna talk about so many games. <sighs> this is not the game segment, so you're going to talk about exactly zero games. Hmm. Did I? What have you been What have you been up to? Some hacks. Yesterday, I went to my wife's uh, teaching school. And uh, shadowed her, because in January and February and March, I will be teaching in her place. Right, because you're going to be having a baby. Yeah, right. So well, she's going to be stay home and take care of is. it. I'm going to be nearby when it happens. I, I I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, You're going to be in for a surprise. <laughs> I thought you did it together. It was just one of those things a couple of Yeah, did you know your belly button opens up and the baby crawls out? <laughs> Man, this is a pod person thing that I, I just didn't I, know about. I, I thought it just uh, exploded out of your cavi- chest cavity. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, different people go with different methods. Some people prefer the the home birth. Some people like it in a hospital. <laughs> you know, both are viable options. Mm-hmm. I personally like to have my chest intact afterwards. Hard to put that back together. Yeah, I mean, it's like a week or two of uh, serious steroids. Mm. So that was good. I got to meet some uh, important people and sit in on some classes. And we did some planning for the lessons that I would be helping teach. What uh, what language is this taught in? Is it taught in English, or are you going to have to learn Japanese? I am... One of the strengths of the JET program is that they bring in people who don't speak Japanese, or at least aren't fluent in it, because then the students won't be able to trick the teacher into defaulting to uh, their native language for... That's- they seem to have a low estimation of their teacher's intelligence if they think that uh, it literally, literally, it is a different language. Shockingly easy. Just like, right. 
it's 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 super duper easy, um, and teachers do it all the time. It's like it's it's easier to explain things that way, um, but this sort of short circuits the whole learning process. So you're going to be teaching the English language to people who don't speak English. Yes. In a language that you don't understand. Yes. Uh, got Seems like the perfect plan. What could go wrong? So why don't they, uh, they if they're going to have to have somebody there to like translate some stuff, right? Like there's there's some stuff that you just don't know and they won't know. Yeah, uh, we're we're called assistant language teachers. So I was gonna say, so why don't they just pay that other person to do the job? Uh, there's also um, there's like the cultural aspect. There's bringing in firsthand experience. There's pronunciation mm-hmm. and saying things like, oh, that that thing in the textbook that they said that everyone but says is just not true. Uh-huh. Or like, oh yeah, nobody you're, has you're, said that. You're going to teach them how to, teach how to pronounce everything wrong because you have a Canadian accent. You're going to teach uh, all the sweet Canadian slang to them, right? Yeah, they're going to think that people eat poutine. <laughs> Some people do. One of the textbooks had a bit on Canada, and one of the one of the four sentences that they had on Canada was that uh, the temperature in the basement is more regular. Every house in Canada has a basement, and in the winter time, people spend all of their time in the basement because that is where the uh, the, the temperature changes is uh, the changes are the most slight and uh, that is I'm just a lot. not believing that yeah in any country <laughs> yeah well, well see it was actually just saying that Canadians are all like smelly basement dwellers yep which is uh which is strange because if you are Canadian you know how to take advantage of the uh, the hot air rises principle and get as high in your house as you can yeah, basically man. up to the, the lasers in the attic. So instead of being basement dwellers, all Canadians are attic dwellers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, I've had this, this fantasy about living in a lighthouse. Probably ever since watching, have you seen Round the Twist? Like a, a, a paranormal mystery television uh, series for I, I can All I can think of is uh, you recreating that scene in Anchorman 2. Oh man, Anchorman 2 is coming to Netflix. I can finally see it. There's a there's a family who lived in a in a in an old lighthouse, and I just thought that was the coolest thing because a lighthouse is basically as close as you can get in modern times to living in a sweet wizard tower. Um, you could build yourself a sweet wizard tower. Yeah, right. You like just get a tree, some planks of wood, but you can't just go around and walk. That was my uh, abandoned wizard tower. Yeah, that was my uh. When I was playing a lot of Minecraft, that was my, like, never-completed endeavor, was to build a wizard tower. Dude, out of, out of Netherbrick? To the height limit? No, it was out the... Okay, so there was a path through it. Like, the the rooms had, like, a an alternating diamond and obsidian checkerboard path through it, and everything else was just, like, cobblestone. I actually did build a sweet wizard tower. This was a very long time ago, but basically it was, like, a... Uh, a spire that was uh, lined on the inside with uh, bookshelves. Uh, the outside was wood and had these, uh, a spiral staircase going up to yeah. the top, which had an observatory, which was uh, contained in a uh, globe of lava. Uh, it was, it was yeah, super I had, uh, sweet. I had fun with the, the admin console. So I, I used the basement of my wizard tower for uh, what I claimed were uh, dimensional portal experiments. And there were just signs like, caution, portal experiments in process, please do not enter, very dangerous. And there were just, like, single block high, uncontained nether portal things floating in midair, <laughs> like an end portal on the ground, and uh, occasionally people would wander in there and just not realize what they were getting into and end up halfway across the world. It's pretty good. 
Nice. nice. Yep. Anyway, um, so you, you do anything else other than uh, pretend to teach? Hmm. I read a lot of my book. I guess we're talking about that in this segment now. Yeah, I mean your your book that like is the assigned book or a different book? A different book. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I'm reading 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami, and it is super compelling, and I can't stop reading it or put it down. It's taking okay. up all of my time. It's taking up my Pokemon time, and what? Okay, what's it about? It is, gosh, hmm, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> Are you reading it in Japanese? No, I'm reading okay. a uh, translation into English. Uh, this book was really big on, uh, in some, I think it was, uh, can't tell if it was top seller lists or just like book clubs or whatever, but it was a book that people came into very frequently, uh, into the bookstore that I worked at in Canada, uh, to pick up. It is a, uh, huge book. It's I remember you poem. talked about it on, on like episode four. Hmm. I was probably saying, this is a book that I should start it. reading. This is a book I will start reading when I no longer respect any of my time. I think it was about the title being a joke or something. Yeah, um, so the Q stands for question mark, or question. Uh, this is a book set in the year 1984, um, and in Japanese, the pronunciation for the number nine is Q, so technically, the title of this book is 1984 right, that's what it was. in pronunciation. <laughs> It's a, it's a, but you don't know what it's about. It's a, an alternate world history. Hmm. There are two characters who are connected, uh, but you can't really tell how, and there are some things happening just under the surface uh, that may or may not be supernatural or paranormal or, you know, deep elder gods pulling some strings that, uh, uh, for reasons that are not quite understandable by uh in the human frame of reference um it's got some it's only got some uh urban fantasy uh it takes place deep in the city of tokyo uh but then there are uh, possibly some uh creatures that are not from this world or maybe that is just a story, or maybe that is just the way that one of the characters is influencing the narrative uh, because that character is an author. Um, but these are some very relatable characters. And they keep, uh, they're, they're very, very human. Like, they will just uh, sometimes daydream about something that is completely unrealistic that a person would totally just sit and do for 20 minutes or whatever. Like, that person behind me uh, has behind has been behind me for the past couple of turns. I wonder if he's following me. I wonder if he's part of this huge uh, conspiracy to something, something. And then um, it's like, hmm, unrealistic things that normal people do. Uh, and I find that interesting. It's like, oh, I do that sometimes. Uh, I've heard that Murakami is criticized in the Japanese literary world for being too westernized. Uh, and there are, this is basically the, the kingdom of loathing of uh, literature because every other page is a reference to uh, a, a Western author or movie or uh, 
something like that. But in a very natural way, because this is these characters living in this world and having experienced these things. Um, ha- having, say, have seen the movies that would have been out at around that time or uh, movies that were at that time considered classics or books that a character would have read uh, because this character is into literature. Uh, and that's interesting because one of the characters in the books has this harebrained plot to basically bring the Japanese literary world to ruin. Um, I thought that was an interesting nod to his uh, real-life controversy. But it's really good. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to continue enjoying it until uh, I'm done the book. All right. And then I'll have some more to talk about. For example, what is even happening? (laughs) I don't know. All right. Justin, anything else happening with you? I guess that's that's a no. Nothing else. Um, Well, I read our assigned book, which I I don't really get to talk about. Uh, I liked it a lot more than the last month's book. I'll say that. Mm. Um, But, yeah, we'll talk about it at the end of the month. Um, If you haven't started it yet, there is a really, really fantastic audiobook of it uh, for free through LibriVox. It is on YouTube. Uh, if you don't want to use LibriVox, I, I don't um, mind using it's just like, it's, it's just like a, uh, a, a, because it is a LibriVox recording, it is in the public domain, and it is just like a random guy on the internet who wanted to record an audiobook of, of this book, which means that it's generally really hit or miss, but this guy is really, really good. Uh, uh, he gets one word wrong. And like he just says the wrong word, and the first comment on the video is, uh, "Hey, you, you said the wrong word here. You left out. It was like a. I think it was like he left out a letter which changed the word from like deadly to deady or something. And other than that, it's it's really really good. And so just read the first comment on the YouTube video, and you'll be good. <laughs> um. Yes, I, I recommend you read YouTube comments. This is this. There's no way that could go wrong. What about yeah? No Metacritic comments. Those are not a thing that anyone actually ever looks at. Yeah, I've never read a single one. Actually, I actually don't even use that. Site. No. What about Metafilter critics? I also, don't don't go to that. No, anything about Metafilter. What about 4chan? Oh yeah, don't great, go great there community. either. You should you should really check it out. Highly recommended. Truly. What about uh, really the, the background of the internet? They don't exist anymore. Yeah, no, they're down. Well, their front page is down. Uh, they, they might as well be down. Yeah. They, that's because that's all they really were. Yeah. All they, like they didn't host anything, so they no. were just a front uh, they, they, they are I mean, already back up in Costa Rica. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, Jesse doesn't live there. We should move there. Any of us? We should move there. Yeah, right. I mean, if they've got the pirate bay, what else do we do? We need? <laughs> but, hmm. Like, they were just a torrent tracker. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, it, if if their website is offline, then, like, they don't exist. I mean, I, they have you could, posted you, content. You could just use Google, you know? It's also true. Or you could be like me and have a demonoid membership. Or like me and not bother torrent trackers anymore. There are some things that uh, can only be obtained via torrenting, and it is legal to torrent those things because they are in the public domain. So there. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> or uh, 
Um, I think the last thing I torrented was a thing that I owned, but like the CD had been scratched, so one of the song had a, songs had a skip in it, and I was just like, well, I know how to fix this. Mm. Um, that was a while ago. Um. What else did I do? I started reading two books. I didn't finish either of them, but it, I only started them this week. So, you know, there's a long time to, in my, left in my life to finish them. And they are The Wind in the Willows and The Phantom of the Opera. And uh, The Wind in the Willows is uh, really slow so far. Um, like, they've, they've introduced the major characters. They've introduced, like, what is it, like Rat and Mole and Mr. Toad. And Mr. Toad has discovered that driving a car is the best thing in the entire world, so maybe I should just drive a car all the time. But it took two whole chapters for him to discover that. And the chapters are pretty long for a, for a children's book, and nothing happened in them. Mm. I, it, it, the writing, it's really, like, it's not bad, it's, it's just really of its time, and it doesn't really... It, it, it's very different from the way a, a children's book would be written today. Um, the Phantom of the Opera, on the other hand, is uh, quite enjoyable. It is definitely a book that was written in France because it just drops all sorts of names and references to people in French history and just presumes that you know who they were, like every single book ever written in France. Um, I'm not really far enough into it to say whether it's good. It's spent a long... T- it's got the sort of like v- Victorian-era novel opening where it spends an entire chapter explaining to you that this is totally a true story that is found amongst the papers of this guy who is totally real, <laughs> and, like, this is not a work of fiction, it's absolutely a real thing. Just like and it's movie. also about, yeah, it's just about a ghost. There's a ghost that lives in this opera house, guys. Um, they don't refer to him as the Phantom, they just call him the Ghost. Hmm. Which makes me, uh... So the play's a pretty big misnomer. Yeah, really. Um, I guess the ghost of the opera just doesn't uh, catch as well. And that's no, just your it's not, it's uh, translation. Easy. Yeah, maybe. But the like the t- the title of the book is it says, it says the Phantom of the Opera, but within the book itself it says ghost. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, all I do know is that basically nobody has read this book because the movie and the Broadway musical have just completely eclipsed it in a way that uh, many other things that like Les Mis, for example. Like, people still realize that that's a book. It's not so much with this. Wait, there's a book? Yeah, it was written by um, Charles Dickens. He was the only writer from the Victorian era, right? (laughs) Huge influence on Shakespeare, remember? Anyway. So, I started those two books. Um, I'm trying to think. There's... Spent, oh, I spent a uh, this weekend. I went to a, a two day boot camp for learning R programming. Um, so now I am a master of programming in R. Not is that the uh, uh, official pirate language? Yes. I mean, R is a really powerful la- language. I really dislike it With because I got inscrutable syntax. Yeah. Like, it's not as bad as regular expressions, which you look at, and just, if you don't understand, it's incomprehensible, because it's just a series of, like, ASCII symbols. I mean, in, in, regular expressions aren't a programming language, so they don't... Right, know, right, but, they're, but their syntax is inscrutable, like is what I mean. Like playing Dwarf Fortress. R is the no. Dwarf Fortress of programming languages. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. 
I can look at R and kind of figure out what it's doing, even if I'm not familiar oh, with the function right. a lot of the time. J is the dwarf right. fortress of programming languages. White space is the <laughs> dwarf fortress of programming languages. Is that uh, Kevin who uh, wrote a, wrote some software in white space? I have no idea. I, actually, better than white space, I believe, is the uh, uh, brain F. Well, that one's really, really cool. Anyway, um... Yeah, R, it's, I mean, it's it's really, really good at processing st- statistical information, and that's what I was using it for, but it's, uh, like, the, it's a super meta complaint, but, like, I don't understand why the people who were defining the rules of the language made certain choices when they were sort of laying out how R was going to work. And I'm sure they had good reasons. The best way that I had it explained to me was that so if you take R and, like, Python, for example, or BASIC. Ah, the good old days. Python and BASIC, a bunch of other, like, they're all Latin-based programming languages. They're very logical in the way that they work. They're like, if this, then this, go to this, etc. And R is a Greek-style programming language. It functions similar to Greek, where it defines a thing and then defines a thing as a function of another thing, and then the, creates vectors within a thing. So if you know, like, if you're a classicist, and you know Latin and Greek, this, suddenly, these programming languages make <laughs> absolute sense to you. Uh, I was, uh, he said, so how many of you like speak Latin and Greek? And I looked around the room, and like, not a single hand. Mm. It's like, this analogy is going places. My hand would have been up. You speak Latin and Greek. I don't. I don't speak them, but I took uh, took them in high school. Took them in high school. Yep. Yeah. Um. So I did that. It was uh, it was good. I got free pizza out of it, so you know it wasn't a wash. Cool. Um, it was like fancy pizza. It had arugula on it. They had this delicious pizza actually. Well, after this, um, we went out for for to a fancy fancy wine bar afterwards to celebrate being done, and. Uh, they had this pizza that was like three different types of roasted mushrooms and mozzarella cheese and like caramelized onions and eating it because of the onions and the cheese and the bread basically was just like eating a French onion soup without the broth. It was amazing. Yeah. It's one of my favorite soups. Yeah. Um, I mean like if the cheese had been Gruyere, it would have been actually just a French onion soup with mushrooms in it. (laughs) But, uh, yep. So, speaking of French onion soup, as one, also one of my favorite soups, I'm really sad that it is hard to find vegetarian French onion soup. Just gonna say. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's actually pretty weird. It's disappointing, actually, because uh, you would think it would be something that would be yeah, but vegetarian it's, friendly. It's traditionally made with a mix of chicken and beef stock. Huh. So, um, when we were in college, I don't know if you were there, Paul. Um, I, I was, I was talked, at college. I went to college. I, I know, but I don't know if you were there this particular day. Um, we were. I, I, the chef who I, I was friends with, the chef in um, Marquis, and uh, he, he basically told me uh, if you ask me to make something, I'll just like put it on the menu that day. I'm like, sweet. Let's. Uh, uh, why don't we have French onion soup? And he said, all right, I've got a recipe for vegetarian French onion soup from Julia Child. I thought, okay, this this can't go wrong. Julia Child is like the, the queen of, of French cooking, right? 
She's she's the best. Um, or, you know, she was in the 50s, I guess. Um, and there was... We had another friend who was a vegetarian, and she was uh, super excited about this, and I was super excited, and the day came, and we all got big bowls of this soup, and, and uh, it, was, it was actually inedible. Oh, I do remember hearing about this afterwards. I did not get soup oh, that yeah. Like, it was aggressively bad. Um, and then it was never, ever served again. So uh, I guess that they realized maybe that there was no demand for that soup. But a soup that uh, a soup that should be always vegetarian and is unacceptable when it's not is uh, broccoli cheddar. Because you need two things, broccoli and cheddar. But uh, there, are, there are a significant number of restaurants that, for some reason, use a chicken stock for that when... There, there, there's no, there's no chicken and broccoli. <laughs> Ch- chicken is vegan. Turn, turns out, uh, the secret ingredient to broccoli is actually chicken. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 eat, you eat too much broccoli, the vegan police come after you. <laughs> Take away your psychic powers. Yep. So I guess, I guess that's all I did. I, I've, uh, it, it is the final, the final week or so of the semester, so it's sort of a crunch. I got to write a lot of stuff. Uh, it's it's been pretty busy. That was my reason for not uh for not being here last week. That was my actual reason. But um I don't know. How about you, Paul? What have you been up to? Um I I went to a Reddit meetup where I got You met Reddit I met Reddit people. Uh it was at a bar. They had uh, some decent burgers and uh Sweet potato fries, which I'm usually not a big fan of, but they're pretty good. Was Mr. Reddit there? Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> he was. I met him. I got his autograph. Uh, you know. What about the hacker 4chan? Uh, no, unfortunately, uh, 4chan was not there. It was pretty sad. Everyone was expecting them to show up, but at the last minute, they canceled due to work. Really unfortunate. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, afterwards, uh, went to a dance party thing in Brooklyn. Uh, the theme was Dance Like It's 1990s with uh, Mariah Carey's uh, All I Want for Christmas is You, or whatever. I prefer Ganondorf's All I Want for Christmas is You. I'm actually I'm familiar with this. I'll have to go look this up no, soon. Uh, it was a Brawl, uh, Brawl in the Family song. Ah, uh, okay. I, I didn't... He did, right. like, three Christmas songs. I don't know, probably, like, four or five years ago. Uh, and otherwise, um, Justin might know this, but I, I've just been posting in, uh, one of our chats just these amazing and terrible, at the same time, uh, mashups of various songs together. Um, there's one of, uh, the Thomas the Tank Engine song with, uh, that, the Row Row Fight the Power song from, uh, Gurren Logan. It's pretty fantastic. So, did you know that Ringo Starr was the host of the Thomas the Tank Engine TV show? No. What? Maybe yeah. That yeah. So let's, let's watch, like, the first season of Shining Time Station. Uh, the conductor, like, the magical one-foot-high invisible teleporting conductor <laughs> is uh, played by Ringo. And I think that he only was on it for, like, one season. But, uh, yep. If you ever wanted to see him dressed up like a train conductor... <laughs> I can totally see that. Thomas the, Thomas the Tank Engine Man. Um, when I was little, I actually had, like, the complete set of Thomas the Tank Engine 
books, like the 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 books upon which the entire franchise was based. Oh. They were not bad, as I recall. They were. It's called like the Railroad series, I think. You know, it's set in like a uh, a very very racist, stereotypical <laughs> late Victorian era England, where the only people that live there are like old white people. Old white men, basically. Mm. So, you know, basically... George Carlin. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Thomas the Tank Engine, man. Good memories. Good childhood. Is that... Yeah, is that still... Is that... Like, is there still a Thomas the Tank Engine show running? There's gotta be, right? I don't think so. I think it's all reruns at this point. They're still selling I books. know that the toys are still, like, super popular with little kids. Yeah. Um, Are they? I swear I've not seen one in a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, occasionally we'll get a catalog that has a bunch of them like advertised in it as junk mail. And uh, I'll see like the latest remote control Thomas the Tank Engine stuff. Special, uh, special engine. And I think I read something about gender representation in t- recent Thomas episodes on the internet a couple months ago. So, I don't know. That could have been, like, a really elaborate hoax. Yeah, oh, man. Can you imagine... I, I'm sure somebody has done, like, a serious overthinking breakdown of, like, the, the the social politics and gender relations in Thomas the Tank Engine and how the colors of the engines correspond to different racial groups and, like, their relationships with one another, like, how the freight trains are all black and everyone hates the freight trains. <laughs> I bet you that somebody's done this. I really want to read it. I really want to read it because I uh, honestly only remember it from my childhood, so I've never had the opportunity to overthink it to that extent. Yeah. Okay, guys, we have we have a new we have a new article for our front page this week. Uh, the the racist misogyny of Thomas the Tank Engine. Let's do it. I mean, it'll get us page views, even if we just like <laughs> make it up, right? What's our that's, uh... that's a big works what's our clickbait title uh five facts you didn't know about uh the racism mm-hmm. in thomas the tank engine yeah, no no it's gonna be like thomas the tank engine secret racism well, revealed. Well, why, you uh, will be astounded when five you surprising out. facts on why uh why thomas the tank engine hates black people yeah um doctors yeah, hate it what yeah, that's what I was going to go for. One one weird old fact about the racism in Thomas the Tank Engine. So, uh, suburban mom discovers dark secret <laughs> behind Thomas. Dermatologists hate her. Yep. Proctologists. Yep. Uh, all right. Anybody else have uh, anything else they want to talk about? Nope, I think that's it. Uh, basically it for me, yeah. All right. Then I guess we can move on. Uh, move on to our next segment, the game segment. Hooray! So I played. Uh, I played Telltale Games, uh, a Game of Thrones game. Telltale Game of Thrones. Yes. Um, how how much do either of you care about spoilers for this game? I have um, read all the books, so I'm not concerned. Uh, the story of this is completely independent. Hmm. It uh, so okay. Broad, I'll like I'll give some broad like general information about what it's like. So it is a Telltale Games game. You know, you you go through a bunch of conversation trees, 
you point and click to walk around. You There are objects you can pick up in the environment and examine and pick them up and take them. Um, you play as five different members of House Forrester, which is a minor house. They show up in the books, but not in the TV show, um, that were, I guess, um, Bannerman for House Stark. Uh, and it, you pick up as... I guess you, you, it's, you play as either a member of the house or like a close advisor within their household. Mm-hmm. Um, and much like the books and the television show, it cuts back and forth between different characters pretty frequently. The first episode only had three of them. The other two, I guess, are going to be introduced in the next one. So, um, also unlike most game of, or all, unlike most, uh, Telltale series, this is six episodes long instead of five. Mm. Uh, but only the first episode is out right now. I'm actually playing this together co-op. I bought it as a gift for my mom because she uh, is super into Game of Thrones and she played a lot of video games when she was in her 20s, but because of the time period in which they were made, they were all point-to-click adventures like Myst and Corandia. So that's like the sort of game with which she's comfortable. And she was, like, super upset over something, so I, I was like, I will buy her this Game of Thrones game, because she was just saying how much she was sad that the TV show is out of episodes, and she would like a new season, but it's not coming yet, and this is a type of game that is, like, simple enough for her to play, and, like, I'll, I'll sit down and we can play it. And, you know, Telltale Games episode is, like, two hours long. I'm so sorry, you only have three seconds to make decisions, and... Yeah, oh man, she, that made her really mad. I basically <laughs> just started pausing the game whenever the timer came up, and then we talked through the decision. But, um... Yeah, they should have a... a that feels sort of like cheating. It does, but, like... She basically, she had me do all the combat. She was like, you just, like... It was just, like, quick time events, and she's just like, I, I'm not good enough at video games to get through this sequence. I really would like to write to the Telltale Games people and be like, your game is really good and I enjoy it, but I think it would be greatly benefited by just, like, an easy mode where you have five times as much time to make all the decisions. Mm. And I understand that, like, you're supposed to have to make a snap decision, and this is part of sort of, like, the artistic vision of the game, but there are older people who either don't have the reflexes or... The, just like reading slowly, like the the opening text scrawl, she got through like three quarters of it, and then it just vanished off the screen, and I had to pull it back up. So we, I mean, we we made it through the game; it wasn't a huge deal, but just like little things like that that I think could definitely help them, and they probably don't take into account because that's not their primary audience. So, you know, anyway, um, you probably, start out probably mods. I, I don't think you can mod Telltale games. I mean, I'm sure you can if you try hard enough, but I don't think they're moddable. If you hit something with a hammer, not, not with that attitude, but not. This game just presumes you know the story of Game of Thrones, or I guess of Song of Ice and Fire books, or the Game of Thrones TV show, because it just drops you right into the middle of it um, with no context for anything. It doesn't introduce any of the characters. It just presumes you know who everybody is, uh, unless they are a character that has not appeared in the TV show. So you start out on the eve of the Red Wedding. Um, you're down in the camps outside of the Twins with the rest of the Stark Bannermen. And uh, st- stuff goes south real fast, as you could probably guess. Um, 
the game does the sort of Telltale Games thing where you, you talk to somebody and then it's like, this person will remember this. And so I'm going to I'm gonna give a very minor spoiler for the first five minutes of the game, which is, uh, so, so I was like, oh, so Game of Thrones, like, sort of hinges a lot of its tension on the fact that anyone can die at any time, right? Like, nobody is safe as a character. And the fact that the game is telling me, like, uh, this dude will remember this means that I know that this character is going to be okay for a while. And it did that, and then just, like, two seconds later, he was dead. I was like, oh, I, I guess he won't remember that. <laughs> he did for the rest of his life. Yeah, I was like, I, yeah, I was like, I guess, I guess he remembered it for as long as it mattered. Well, I mean, eventually we're all coming back as uh, ice zombies. So, White Walkers, yeah, um, there is a White Walker as the splash screen for Episode Four, but Episode Four is not out yet, so he just stares at you. <laughs> you pull up the game, and it's like each each episode has its own little like character splash screen. Um, Tyrion is Episode One. Because he is a so they got all of the cast from the TV show to do the game. Oh, really? I thought it was all spin-off characters or something. I just like it was just oh. in the universe. This is actually oh. way more impressive. I might actually have to get it now. It is the full cast of the HBO TV show. Like the, oh. this is an HBO game. I guess it is canon to the TV show, and stuff might get referenced. Not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, like it is just like. One of the characters is in King's Landing. She is a hand handmaiden to um, Marjorie Tyrell, and uh, so you just like, oh, you, Cersei wants to see you because she doesn't trust a northern maid in the castle. And then Tyrion says, "Hey, want to help me mess with Cersei?" And you're like, "Yes, please." This seems kind of unfortunate if it's uh, like if it's going to get referenced uh, for the TV show watchers who don't necessarily know about this, just because like yeah. it feels like it's well, going to the same problem that I had with Dot Hack. Where uh, it, it was an anime that was uh, that had like a season and then a couple movies franchises. Yeah, but it, but it, you ha- if in order to get all the story, you had to play the video games in between watching. Yeah, okay, so it had the it had the Infinity Blade problem where the books were not optional. Yeah, exactly. Or the World of Warcraft problem, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's like this game is not as good as The Walking Dead. I will say that because The Walking Dead. The only thing that The Walking Dead had to do was make a game in a world where there were zombies. It had nothing to do with any of the pre-existing Walking Dead media, so they were free to c- create their entirely original story within the world, just like I'd call it The Walking Dead, but the game could have been completely unlicensed and been identical. Um, this is not the case here. They are really sort of constrained by the existing narrative of the the books and the show and so they aren't as free to tell as interesting of a story because they have to like stuff has to happen in a certain way um so like as a result we were playing through and um there are there are some pretty hard decisions and like one of the tense moments in the game is when you you have to go in front of cersei and she's a horrible person and She's asking you all sorts of like really tough questions, and you don't. You have to decide whether you're, how you're going to respond to them, and whether you're going to lie or what. But like for example, my mom had a really easy time with that because she knows Cersei as a character and knows how to talk to her in the way that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. But like the t- making decisions, like who do you want of these two characters to be your second in command for the rest of the series? 
when you have no context for that, it's a way more interesting decision, and it's way harder. Mm-hmm. Like, Cersei is not threatening because she's a known quantity, and in other games where everything is unknown, it's much more... It, it, the the immersion factor, I think, is a little higher. That said, this game is still fun. Um, the second episode doesn't come out until February, so it'll be a while before we see what happens. But, um... Yeah, if you like the Game of Thrones TV show, it is like it it definitely feels like it fits within there. It's sort of like how um like the Star Wars spin-off stuff often deals with like an individual guy or a couple of guys on a planet against the backdrop of the movies. Like what's going on in the movies is still happening, but it doesn't directly impact them in in the way that it impacts Luke Skywalker. And it's sort of like that. So what you're um, saying is Telltale Games should make some uh, sweet Star Wars games about that. No, they should make a sweet Borderlands game. That's true. That's close that. enough. Yep. So, uh, yeah, would would recommend to anybody who likes Game of Thrones, would not recommend to anybody who has not already, like, gotten three bo- three or four books deep into it, because you will just be lost. Um, so the second game I played was uh, Hearthstone, Goblins vs. Gnomes expansion, which came out this week. Um, I did not open nearly as many packs as other people, because I did not spend real money on it. Um, and I don't actually have a lot to say about it, it's just more Hearthstone, but I feel like the it's so new that there's not a lot of solid stuff that I can say, other than, like, this card is cool, or this card is cool, but that would not be super interesting for players, or for uh, listeners who don't play Hearthstone. Yeah, I've played a bit on Ranked. And it, the meta is so different now. It's just like every deck just is very new. It's it's a very weird yeah, transition. It's definitely not settled. Yeah. Um, and I I I'm not enjoying it as much as I enjoyed Naxxramas. Well, so like, you, I, you I haven't played in these sweet random battles that Mark and I have. So that's not like I feel like Naxxramas was like it was only twenty cards, right? But every week there was some cool new single player content. I would be excited to play it. I would get a couple new cards, guaranteed. But this is just like, oh, there are now a bunch of other cards in the wild, and like you'll get them eventually if you buy enough packs. Is it? And it okay. just feels a lot less compelling. So the pool is just wider. No, it's just you go to the store, and now there are two different types of packs you can buy. Uh, you can buy the classic pack or the Goblins and Gnomes expansion packs. Yeah, it added like 25% more cards to the game, too, so it's, like, it's a huge expansion. Uh, comparatively, it's to like, like 130 cards. 120 like co- collectible cards, and then like 20 other cards that are not collectible but are tokens and stuff. What is this? What is this? <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> what has this done for the meta so far? It's uh, the meta doesn't exist right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's way too varied right now. Um, what I can say is Miracle is a dead deck. Uh, Handlock is going to rap- very rapidly change. Um, Control Warrior is mostly the same. Uh, there aren't too many changes you can make there. Um, and uh, Zoo is in a very weird spot. Uh, yeah, there are a bunch of new card mechanics that they've introduced. Like, um, there there are ogres. Ogre cards just all have a 50% chance to attack the wrong target. <laughs> they're clumsy. Um, there are uh, spare parts, which are tokens that are spawned by... Mechanic, mech mech cards, which are a new type like pirate or or uh, merloc, and mechs build on one another and synergize really well together. Um, I feel like the that biggest new like actual mechanic 
is that there are a bunch of cards that are that have effects while they're in your hand or when they're drawn immediately. They just released really some really cool concept cards, like Mimiron's uh, uh, Head, uh, yeah. which is just a super sweet thing. It, it gives you a 4-8 Mega Wind Fury you can attack four times a turn. Um, yeah. Or they do stuff that is like clearly taking advantage of the fact that this is a video game, like Bolvar Fall Dragon, which is a Paladin Legendary, which uh, has one attack, but in your hand it gains a buff of one plus one to attack for every one of your minions that dies while it's in your hand. So you just hold it for a really long time, and then you drop this Titan onto the board. And I guess you could do that in a physical card game, but it would be really obvious that you're trying to keep track of what's going on no, in this there's, card. No, there's no way to do it without having to reveal Bulbar every time. Like, there's a way to do it, right. but it's super awkward and not right. as cool. Or you'd have to play him and then go back through the, like, discard pile and token piles and see, like, okay, how many of your things died. Yeah, it just loses a lot of When you started drawing this, and, like, how you just have to trust that your opponent wasn't cheating by saying, oh, no, I've had it in my head the entire game. Yeah, and there's stuff like uh, the Flame Leviathan, which also is possible to do in, uh, in, uh, like, Magic, um, but it's also sort of awkward. Uh, And... Iron Juggernaut is actually a card that they tried to do in Magic but could not get to work rules-wise, so they have a Silver Border card which does it, essentially, but, you know, Silver Border isn't real Magic. Yeah, it's, they've, they've really sort of embraced the whole video game thing, which I think is the correct move. Mm. Anyway, Goblins and Gnomes. Um, or or as the, the theme song goes, Goblins and Gnomes. Yeah, Goblins and Gnomes. Goblins and gnomes. Um, I've also, I mean, I played a little more uh, World of Warcraft Warlords of Draenor because uh, raids, raid, the the first raids of the expansion opened this week. Um, the the raid is High Mall, which is the capital of the Ogre Empire. Um, so you you just get into this massive city teeming with ogres and uh, have to have to kill them all because. Yeah, we we don't like ogres, I guess, because reasons. Um, it's interesting to me that by the time that like this opening tier of raiding is over, something like six, or I guess like five or six out of the eponymous warlords of Draenor will either be dead or just taken care of in one or another in one way or another, leaving I don't know one or two left. So for an expansion that's called Warlords of Draenor, that's supposed to be a game that has new content coming out for, like, the next two years. I'm really curious uh, where they're going to go when they've killed off almost all their villains in the opening <laughs> month or two of the story. Oh. Rebel uprisings, claiming spots of power. The, 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 man, there's no government on this planet. Like, it was just nomadic tribes, and then they united to form this evil, uh, evil army that you basically just in the opening quests dismantle from the ground down, from like from the top down. There are so few, like you take out their major, like every single one of their major mechanized factory facilities, you kill off their entire central command and, oh, this is just the opening patch. We have a lot more story planned, but like, what? (laughs) 
who, who, like, who's gonna be the villain? They did a, they did backpedal. They were gonna, they, they were gonna say that Grom, uh, if you, who you might know from Hearthstone, was gonna be the final boss of the expansion. But now they have, they have changed their mind and said, no, it's gonna be a surprise. Turns out you're the villain. Surprise! Right it's Grom. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's like are, um, the uh, Star Trek movie. It's not Grom. It's this other dude who's totally not Grom. Yeah, exactly. Grom with a little goatee. It's Ben the Cumberbatch as Grom. This is Grom with a goatee. Grom's dead. This is because this is the alternate universe Grom in the first place. <laughs> but he's already got. Two he actually goatees. legit only has the goatee because in our in our universe he had like his full chin tattooed, and in this one he only has a part of his chin tattooed, and that's the equivalent of the goatee. Like they just went full on joke time travel. Awesome. Um, not time travel, dimensional travel. This is a different parallel dimension. Things are very slightly different. Characters who were dead before this happened in our timeline are still around. Um, yeah, I'm I'm guessing Leroy Jenkins is the final boss. Hmm. Didn't he make a uh, a return in the main game? Yep. Yep. He's he's back. He can. You can get him as a follower. He'll wander around your garrison. What is the original Leroy Jenkins player? What does he think about all this? Um, I'm pretty sure that he does the voice for Leroy Jenkins. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Like, I'll be, be uh, sad he, if he didn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, is, is the character of Leroy Jenkins owned by Blizzard? I mean, it is right because like all entities within. World of Warcraft, by virtue of their end-user license agreement, like, are owned by Blizzard Activision, I would imagine. Yeah, so, it's possible. I mean, he could have already really? sold them the rights for a butt ton of money. Yeah, I mean, they might, yeah, they, pro- they very well may have just negotiated for the character. Um, but, who knows? Whatever. That guy is internet famous and made a lot of money off of his internet fame. So, I'm sure, I'm sure he's fine. Um, I think, like, videos and, like, he he did, like, talks. He, Leroy Jenkins was a question on Jeopardy. That, that means they have to give him money, right? <laughs> if he... I think that's how that works. Yeah. Um, yeah, people have been throwing out, like, suggestions as to who, who this final boss will be now. But, um, I think it's good that people don't know who the final villain of the expansion is going to be. The last three WoW expansions, people have gone into it knowing who the final boss is, and I think that actually, unless it is something like the Lich King, who is such an iconic video game character, that it's okay, like, you want to like go out there and kick him in the face, like, he is an adversary that people look forward to, I think it's damaging because there's no, like, everything that happens up between the launch and when you kill that guy feels like you're just spinning your wheels waiting for him to, like, come out of the shadows. Mm. And that was actually a huge problem with Mists of Pandaria, because the final boss... At the end, you don't fight the Mists. Yeah. No, but, like, the the final boss in Mists of Pandaria was the the leader of the Horde, which, like, all of the players on Horde's side were having to basically, like, they had to raid their own capital. And they tried in the story to, like, tell this, like, interesting, nuanced story of how he's a guy trying to do the right thing, and he goes too far, and he, like, lets his power go to his head, and he lets his sort of, like, ideas of racial superiority 
override his sort of more well-intentioned vision for what his the sort of his, his government should look like and as a result his you know his citizens sort of break into rebellion but you can't tell that story if everybody already knows where it's going to end up there's no actual struggle for that character because oh well he's just going to fail like he he's not going to be able to overcome any of these issues that we're looking at and struggle with so it doesn't matter hmm. Um, and telling a story, especially in an MMO, is hard. Like, telling a story in a video game is hard. Uh, I, I, like, I will say, 99.9% of video game stories are crap. Like, they're just, they're just bad. Man, but the story for Galaga was spot on. I really connected with it. <laughs> Man. Galaga is, uh, the best item in Super Smash Brothers. Uh, no, that was awful, and you're terrible for even thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we can agree to disagree. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the game is consistently interesting. Uh, they give you they give you a new story every week that you go out and advance the plot. And now that I don't know where the story is going, I'm a lot more interested in seeing it to its end because I was not really interested in another uh, final boss that was just another like rage buffed out orc. People are tired of orcs. Also, uh, in Lord of the Rings, orcs and goblins are the same thing. Yep. All right, that's all I played this week. I played uh, Game of Thrones, Hearthstone, WoW, and I think that's it. Um, I played some Binding of Isaac, I guess, but that's that's not a thing. Uh, so uh, of course uh, you did. We all did. <laughs> Gord, what did you play? I played some How to Survive, which is a... Uh, it's like a cross between Left 4 Dead and... Uh, a game which, for some reason, I can never remember the title to. Uh, it's the Diablo 2... Uh, Torchlight. Game. Nope, not Torchlight. Um, <clears throat> dang. I even had this ready. <clears throat> uh, Diablo 2. <laughs> no. Lord of Destruction. Um, nope. Minecraft. Nope. It, it's, um, it's like Diablo 3 came out, and a group of people said... Uh, Grinding Gear Games, in fact, said, we're going to make a game that is exactly like... Hmm? Effects off, thank you. All right, so... Let's just, we're going to make uh, a game that is like your game, but worse. Edit that... Oh, oh. Uh, I, I think that's fine. Effects off was cool. Also, that skill tree is so nice. Yeah, pointing to that skill tree and saying, Path of Exile is a good game, does not follow. Mm, I also played a handful of it and enjoyed it. Anyway... So you play Path of X. They really get that uh, that that gritty feeling that I feel like the original Diablo 2 didn't quite get because it was like a I don't know it was a little too polished maybe a little too nice which is a weird the game thing to was say about too much fun. <laughs> anyway, we like our games to be bad. So How to Survive is a very gritty, high resolution, uh, top down game that you uh, play with WASD and mouse, or uh, as I am playing with a controller, uh, and you are trapped on a, an island where there has been a zombie outbreak, and you are trying your best to escape and survive. And uh, there's a pretty satisfying crafting system, and uh, you make some homemade weapons just by 
cramming some, some things together if they uh, are compatible. Uh, there's a leveling up system, but I got to a certain point and none of the rest of the things are really that, uh, they, they don't seem to be that important for minute to minute use. There were a couple uh, that let you craft new things. Um, but now the rest are just like, uh, be able to find these things without looking as hard for them or uh, uh, be able to run when you are injured. Which, like, you know, the the answer is don't get injured. Like, play better. Anyways, um, uh, there is also just this dude who thinks that he is a medieval knight uh, who walks around with a megaphone and uh, gives you instruction. And it feels like he's, uh, I mean, he, he's obviously the, the comic relief, but he also feels like a character in the world and not just um, not just comic relief, I guess. Uh, and that is a fun game, and I've been playing it for uh, a couple of weeks, actually. I kept meaning to bring it up on the, the, uh, the episode's but kept forgetting. Um, so I'm going to see that through. Uh, I played some Eldritch, which is a game that is totally like Myst, regardless of what Justin says. I mean, in that you use books as portals, it's the same. No, but... totally like Minecraft is what I meant to say. It's also like Myst, but... So it's it's basically nothing at all like Myst. <laughs> Like, it's like it, myth in it, that there is a mystery that you solve by going to different worlds that are linked to by books that books. describe those worlds. Yeah, but it is in in no way like mechanically similar to Mist. No, uh, it is like Minecraft. It, it's visually identical to Mist, though. Yeah, definitely. No, it's uh, visually identical to Minecraft. Um, except I guess the characters have higher polygon counts. There's some things that are even around. Uh, but every world that you step into is procedurally generated, except uh, the difference between this and Minecraft is that uh, these worlds have an objective, and you fight your way through generated levels and uh, against monsters trying to get to that objective. Uh, and then if you succeed, you come back and uh, permanently unlock the next book. Uh, and if you fail, uh, y- you lose all of your items and progress uh, and pop back up in the library. The idea is that you are one of these sages from ancient times who uh, was one of the members of this group, this cabal, who managed to lock away all of the old gods, all of the elder gods who had ruled uh, the earth and the universe and whatever. Uh, except they had to leave someone behind to make sure that uh, the Elder Gods didn't awaken and escape from their prisons. And so you are that person, and you are the... uh, That person is the librarian of this infinite library maze full of books that are uh, different worlds. And uh, so each each god is trapped in one of these books, and you've got to go in and make sure that he doesn't wake up because they are all uh, starting to wake up one by one. Uh, and one other thing is that you don't have your memory, so you don't know who you are or what it is you're trying to accomplish. Uh, just that suddenly a whole bunch of really terrible things are happening. 
Um, so it sounds like real life. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up one day, you don't know who you are. Hey guys, we lost a couple seconds of audio, so I'm just letting you know that this is going to be a weird, sudden, abrupt shift in topic. Okay, what just happened? I don't know, it went, it went, and then I couldn't hear Gord anymore. Thanks, Skype. Please give me that survey at the end of this call, so I can say, Skype, you're bad, you did a bad thing. You can fill out the survey. Alright, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Alright. It was sort of like a reaper. A a reaper? Yeah, from from Mass Effect. I hear you. You're not supposed to hear those. Hey, man, there's this really cool bug outside. <laughs> you go look at this really cool bug. <laughs> I've lost the uh, train of this conversation. Clearly, you uh, didn't have never watched Syphil and Dolly. That is true. Oh. There was an episode of the Syphil and Dolly Returns show where uh, the entire time their, their stage runner was like, hey, hey, they were viewing Mass Effect. Um, I guess they, it was a parody of Mass Effect, so it was like Massive Effect. And uh, the entire time their stage was like, hey man, there's this really cool bug outside. You should, you should come see this bug. And then the punchline is they go outside and it's just a giant skyscraper tall reaper from uh, Mass Effect. Hmm. Um, which which resembles a bug. Oh yeah, like the uh, those giant ticks that fast travel you from location to location in Morrowind. Um, it's actually more like an octopus that can walk on land with all of its legs, and all of its legs are rigid. But, uh... And also it has laser that goes... Yeah, its laser goes... So, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know what we'll be able to recover from that, but Eldritch is a game that is interesting, but also super difficult. Um, and, and that's it. Jazzpunk is another game that I played. And the first level is super delightfully weird in all of the ways that I was hoping that it would be just, like, deconstructing basic meanings of things and making you come up with bizarre (laughs) nonsense uh, solutions. And then the second level was all right, and then the third level was sort of just sort of dragged on. Uh, And then I alt-tabbed away from full screen, and it... uh, uh, trapped my mouse, though. So I, I couldn't actually click on anything else in Windows. Um, and anything that I clicked on brought the game back up, but without video. So I was still looking at my desktop. So I couldn't actually inter- interact with anything. Uh, so I killed it and then ha- haven't been back. Uh, hopefully the rest of the game is like the first level, because that was just delightful and weird. Lichdom, Battle of the Lich, Battle Mage, Battle is a game on Steam. I believe it was made by a small team, uh, and it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty cool what they managed to come up with. Um, this game is basically Skyrim, except there is only magic. Uh, you only have a magical combat system. Um, and at times, I definitely wish that one of my spells was just, uh, okay, give me a sword now. Uh, but uh, that was not one of my abilities. So you get uh, you get the magic rune of fire, and then you can throw fire at things, or you can 
uh, make make some fire, hurt some things, uh, or you can you got this like reaction shield, this counter attack where if you block at just the right time, you deal damage to everything around you. Um, and it's got a story with some cheesy voice acting and a boss. I think it's the first boss, the first uh, thing that I would consider to be a boss, anyways. Was this Triceratops, uh, a, a magical Triceratops, who will just charge at you and s- smash you for a third of your health while the dude you're chasing is also running around, uh, hitting you with magic and chasing you, and also a constant spawn of uh, ranged skeletons is also just... Uh, filling you in from every direction and there's nowhere you can go to be safe. And uh, even even if you dodge or block this thing, the dinosaur is still going to hurt you for uh, 30% of your health. And I ran into this maybe five or six times and just basically immediately fell flat and um, lost interest in playing. And uh, that made Sounds me like you're just bad at this game. Uh, probably, yeah. I mean... Sounds like you should uh, just not get hit, and then you wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> All right. I would like you to play this game. I don't own it. And, and see if you uh, have the same experience as me. The thing with not getting hit is that the dinosaur just needs to be roughly near you and doesn't need to be facing you in order to uh, get a direct hit. Well, yeah, it's got a tail. Well, uh, sure. And also... There is nowhere you can go to not be hit by things. Shockwaves, man. Hmm. One strategy that... Clearly you've never fought a dinosaur in real life, or you would just know <laughs> these things. Yeah. My uh, my working strategy for the mini-boss leading up to this uh, was satisfactory, but not very satisfying. Um, there's this flying thing that runs around, and also just infinitely spawns dudes to shoot you from every direction. I died to that once, and then the next time I came in, I just uh, swapped my magic back and forth and froze him solid, and then hit him with a fireball, and then froze him solid, and then hit him with a fireball, and then froze him solid, and then hit him with a fireball. And that worked, but this doesn't work when there are already 50 things on the field all trying to hit you all at the same time. Um, the, the really frustrating... <clears throat> the really frustrating part about it is that no matter which way you're facing, there is something attacking you from behind. And that huh. just, just like drained all of my interest in playing further. Other than that, though, it, was, uh, it seems pretty interesting. Um, they've, they've made a world and made reasons for you to care about the things that you're doing, I guess. I don't know. The, the intro made me think of um, Anita Sarkeesian's uh, female characters as hmm, not just furniture. What was the follow-up to furniture? Um, Wallpaper. Hmm, drapes. Upholstery. No, it was... Um, carpet. Drapes and carpet. Violence against women is a, as, as a motivator. Like, oh, your character wants to kill this character because this character just stabbed a, a bunch of women 
Well, and that's that. the uh, fridging concept, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that 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 is just the very first thing that happens in the game. You get the option to choose a male or female character. So maybe if I had chosen the female one, it would have been a dude who got uh, uh, iced. Yeah, killed in front of you. I don't know. Whacked. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, that was a thing that I played. Paul, what did you play? So, as I was saying earlier, um, I was playing a lot of, or some, uh, as much as I could of the Goat MMO Simulator, which is uh, really, really, really sweet. I, I played a lot as the Rouge class, um, and and then a bunch as the Microwave class. You heard that? Gotta say, Rouge is way more fun than Microwave, no, oddly enough. Sure. I was there expecting are, microwave to be super sweet because you're literally a microwave on legs, uh, but uh, your, your headbutt is very low range, and throwing pizzas at things, a lot less interesting than expected. There, there is a super uh, sweet um, feature in the game where you can kind of, uh, you, can, you can essentially force the game to crash. Um, after doing it twice, I've, I figure it's intentional. But it's it's still very entertaining. So you cast Crash to Desktop? Uh, in a way. Like, you, you find a server room, and if you start messing with the server room, uh, your game first, like, loses all textures, then goes into all wireframe, and then just, like, crashes. Seems good. Yeah, it's a sweet feature. Um, See, so yeah, I, I played some uh, Goblins and Gnomes, as uh, previously stated. I'm working on uh, this Mech Rogue, which I'm currently calling uh, Tinkertown Tempo, or This is Tinkertown Scrub, uh, and Mech Mage, which is pretty much because Chugga Chugga. Chugga Chugga. Chugga Chugga. Tinkertown Soldier Spy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I met up with a bunch of my friends and we played this uh, sweet uh, role-playing storytelling game called Dread. Um, it's basically a horror storytelling uh which you create characters, and uh, it's like a, a lot of uh, horror RPG scenarios, but instead of, you know, like rolling dice or something for it, you end up playing with a Jenga tower. So if there's something, if there's a task to, you have to pull a piece out of the Jenga tower and put it on top. And uh, you, can, you can at any point decline to pull a piece, but you will suffer some sort of uh, thing that will cause you to pull more Jenga pieces in the future. And if you ever topple the tower, your character dies, or is removed from the game, or can be removed from the game at any point in the future, uh, if you die particularly early. Uh, is everyone pulling so from the same tower? Yes, it's the same tower. So did you uh, did you play the old man Henderson of this game? Uh, no, actually, I ended up playing. Uh, I I was a captain, although I should have done old man Henderson. That would have been sweet. Uh, but my my character was uh, Captain Jonathan Lloyd Pizza. He was a. Uh, <laughs> He was a pretty guy. He survived to the end. Um, turns out that our group was particularly good at pulling Jenga pieces. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we we died a lot less than we probably should have because we ended up leaving with like, uh, four of our seven characters ended up surviving, which is uh, really nice overall. Like, I, I think our uh, host was expecting only like uh, one to three people to survive, so we did pretty well there. Afterwards, uh, after we finished the game, it took around like four hours to complete. So it was a pretty good, pretty good afternoon. Afterwards, uh, a bunch of us went to play Mario Kart 8, in which I handicapped myself by playing with the tilt controls, and they are 
as awful as I remember them being. I cannot play that game with a tilt. Uh, yeah. I, I've also, um, I've, I've been building some more sweet Smash Bros. Uh, stages yeah, that uh, we need to play, Justin, because they're really sweet. Oh, did you? What did you, what, what is your, uh, I've, I've been, I've been, uh, following, uh, someone put this thing on Tumblr, which is really sweet, which is, uh, Super, hey, uh, super yeah, Smash, uh, Super Sports Bros. Uh, they had detailed how to make this basketball stage. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. I remember. Yeah, so I, I've made a, I made a basketball stage. The first one probably might be better than the second one right now, just because the second one has some weird spawn issues, especially at four people. Three people's fine, I think, but four people it gets a bit awkward. Um, because one person can just, just cancel off stage forever. Uh, I, I need to figure out how to fix that issue. But, the, uh, but I also got a, a sweet soccer game, which is less interesting, but it's it's okay. I don't know. We, I think we have to try it out to make I sure it's, like, terrible. Because I only have a theory it's terrible. I made a couple stages that I would like to try out, too. Uh, is, it, is it more art that uh, we, we get stuck in the terrain in? No, no, no. No, nothing like that. But, uh, I made... I made one called uh, Cannonball Run. Which is, uh... It's, it's a horse race, then right? I made one. We raced some horses. Yeah. yeah, and then I made one that is a box with a very, very small hole in the top. And the, okay, so that's the only way to die. Yeah, the only you have to spike that, that people out. Terrible. But there are yeah. platforms to like no no there are there are plat like floating platforms up and down so that you can get up and outside of the box and there's stuff outside of the box. But um, it is a large like a Fight Club arena. For if people just want to build up ridiculous, uh, have you checked the spawn placements? I I do not like how uh, Smash seems to try to default uh, spawn place people into spawn areas because it's like places everyone like super uh, like weird places that you don't expect. Um, I played I played both of them until I got them right. So I think they're I mean, okay. did you try with uh, four people on the stage? Um, I don't know if I tried with four. I tried with... Yeah, I mean, it, it always seems okay with two, but, like, if you go make make a game with computers and see if it, uh, plays the way you expect it to. This is what I've learned. Alright. So, anything anything else that you played? No, that, that's about it, really. Cool. Well, I think that's... That's all. Is that all of our stuffs? Hmm. We could introduce. Does anybody a topic. have anything else they want to? The topic of the podcast. What is the topic of the podcast? Are video games art? Answer: Yes, it is. All right, let's wrap up. All right. Um, if somebody else, if somebody, if a listener, oh, oh, um, I did have a thing I wanted to talk about. There is, um, there is a streamer. A friend of mine is a is a games streamer, and uh, was going to give her a shout out on our show. So people can check out her stream. Uh, it is Soldier Hawk on YouTube. I will put a link to it in the show notes. She is currently streaming every single Valve game in a row, including um, Ricochet. That's the best one. I don't think including that's, Ricochet. That's a shame. Just yeah. But uh, many other games. I think she's gotten through um, like Half Life's and Portals, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, she's got like a couple of thousand followers, I think. So is she? It's like is she on uh, yeah. Twitch? Does she broadcast live? No, she does let's plays. Oh, okay, cool. You, you can do those live. 
yeah, I know, but she doesn't. I asked. <laughs> She's like, no, no. Anyway, I uh, I will put a link to her in the show notes. Um, does any? All right. How will people get in contact with us if they wanted to do that? I prefer if they go to redpagespodcast.com and then find out all of the other ways from there. Okay. Um, how about, like, the most basic of ways? What would that be? The contact pane in uh, redpagespodcast.com. Okay. What if I am... Um unable to do that? What if I'm unable to access anything but email? Mm, Probably see a doctor or some kind of electrical technician. Go to a make this as difficult as possible. (laughs) Use the internet. How about about they go to email us at theredpagespodcast.com? Alternatively, uh, write a letter and send it to your local uh, Congress person. (laughs) Ask them to outlaw Red Pages Podcast. Next week, we do have a guest. It is uh, our, our uh, previously mentioned... Friend of the podcast. Uh, yes, yes. Previously mentioned friend of the podcast who purchased his way onto the show um, who will be joining us. Uh, and there is still time for you. If you, too, wish to purchase your way onto the podcast, you can uh, send, send us an email, and I will tell you a PayPal account. And you can <laughs> totally uh, fund our... Fund our game that we're making. Because our company's uh, bank account is, is uh, running low. All right, well, that's it for me. I, I just want to give a special uh, thank you to uh, my guest, who has been... Uh, a real treat. Yeah, just, just getting us through this show. <laughs> all right. So from all of us here at the Red Pages podcast, Steinol Truck Keepin Stein. Odor. Is this coughing time? Can I get all my coughing out of the way? No, that was the octopus. So octopus cough. What did I? What did I play this week? <laughs> did you cough out an octopus? Yeah, I, I mean, oh, it came know, out of my hockey box. games. Oh man, I don't know what to do with this octopus I just coughed up. <laughs> Better throw yeah. it on the ice. Yep. <laughs> I so, think that was the thing that happened once, but it stayed <laughs> with me.